Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Brandon Barnes, host of the Resimply Podcast. I want to welcome our special guest, Dustin Heiner. How are you doing today? I'm blessed, Brandon. How how about you? I mean, it's it's so cool being able to go on podcasts. I mean, I actually love being on podcasts. In fact, being a real estate investor, it's so amazing that after I, and I, I like the term successful employed, I used to say I, I quit my job and they're like, oh, you're retired? I'm like, no, I still work. But anyways, I love investing in real estate because it's what affords me to do in my life. I, I literally just got back from the gym, hanging out with my family. We homeschool. Actually, I have the hard, sorry, let me say this a better way. My wife has the hard job of homeschooling the kids. I have the easy job of making money. And so we just, you know, have fun as a family. I don't work a job and then I get to come on podcasts and talk to great people like you. So I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, no, I'm, um, we're glad to have you. And, and, and you're right. It is before getting into real estate, you know, like being a podcast guest or some of that stuff was something I never even thought about. Now, hosting this one with Resimply, I've been a guest on a bunch. And then it's also what, 1.30 in the afternoon on a Tuesday, was it today, Tuesday? I, I sometimes don't even know the day of the week, but we do have to wrap it at some point because I am buying a home later today. So, it, you know, can't Very go cool, longer. good for yeah. you, man. Yeah, so, but uh, well, cool. I'm glad to have you on. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and what you got going on. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I'm an investor. I've been an investor since 2006. Started buying rental properties. You know, I love rental properties, long-term buy and hold. Not necessarily long-term, meaning like you don't do Airbnbs, but we do short-term, mid-term, like traveling executives and nurses and things like that. And long-term, I love long-term. And my goal was to be able to be financially independent and successfully unemployed. But now, because I have so many properties now, it's just fun that I literally don't have to work for somebody else. And then I realized that I enjoy teaching people. So I started teaching people. But what really is amazing for me is that I literally don't have to work at all because here, here's what I do. I build a business and that business runs for me and I don't have to do a thing, but that's what I do. I'm literally an investor and then found out podcasting was a lot of fun and just started podcasting. There you go. I love it. I mean, that that's what, you know, you, I think you said it a few minutes ago, like, no, you didn't quit your job. You just, you, you don't have to be employed by anybody anymore. And that's what, what you've built has allowed, which I think is what a lot of people get into uh, either real estate or business owning, you know, for that reason. Yeah. So for me, it was in my life, I was realizing that eventually I would like to not have to work. And I was always told, and well, actually this is, this is really what shoved me or got me into investing in real estate. So I, just like every single person, we're all taught the same thing and this plan of life plan that we're supposed to do. And so I'm following it, but you go to school, you get good grades and then you get those good grades and you go to college or university and you get in thousands and thousands of dollars into debt and you get a piece of paper with those good grades and hopefully it's called a degree and you hopefully go to companies and quote unquote, get a quote unquote career at that company and work 40 plus years of your life, hopefully retire at 65, 75 years old and live on what you managed to save that entire time. And I call it, you're working a just over broke job, a J-O-B. That's yeah. what you're working as a J-O-B. And I'm doing that. I'm going through life, doing the exact same thing. And Brandon, I kid you not, I get the most stable, risk-free job I could ever think of. So at the time, in 2006, I was working in California. This is when I first started investing, but I started working in California at a local county government doing IT or technology. So we know California is not going away. Government's absolutely not going away. And technology is not going away. So the most stable, secure job I could ever think of. But at the same time, in my life, I have always had the idea of being entrepreneurial you know, starting businesses. In fact, I had a newspaper route when I was a kid. You know, most people don't know what those are, but you ride on a bike with the newspapers and throw them at 5 a.m., bang them on garage doors, waking people up. And I had that. I had a, um, a graphic and website design company. I started that a skateboard manufacturing business, pedaling skateboards all around. I even started a convenience store and a pizzeria all from scratch because I wanted to eventually build my way out of working for somebody else. But at the same time, I bought one rental property. And that one rental property was so amazing. When I bought it, I got the pe other people to do all the work. And then the check that I got the first month, I remember the number on the check. It was $317, plain as day. I could easily see it because I was thinking, my goodness, all these other things, my job is so much harder. My businesses are so much harder. This property worked for me and I made money. I need to be an investor. Well, Brandon, this is really what shoved me to be an investor. So 
my wife and I, we knew we wanted to be, I knew I wanted to be an investor, but my wife and I started having kids. And you know how, what happens? Life just starts getting in the way. And I knew I wanted to be an investor, but we started at one, two, three, and four kids. And then I put that off to the side. And this is what really shoved me. So when my fourth child was born, I went on paternity leave. That's where the dad stays home with the mom, changes poopy diapers and all the good stuff and bonds with the baby. Yeah. Well, after about two weeks, I go back to work. And in that same week, I go back to work on a Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon. I get a call from my boss's 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 secretary, like the top dog. And she says, Dustin, would you please come to the office? I said, sure. And I hung up the phone and I paused for a second. I thought, why in the world are they calling me in the office? Like, this isn't normal. And I've seen plenty of movies. Friday at 3.30 is not a good thing. And wow. I thought, wow, I could get laid off. Because I had remembered two months before I went on paternity leave, there were some rumors or some rumbling going on that there could potentially be layoffs in the county, in the government. I immediately shook that off. I said, I have so much seniority. This is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off and shook it off. Then I get up and I go down the hallway to my boss's office. Now, Brandon, this hallway isn't very long. In fact, it's kind of short. But every single step I take, it feels like the hallway gets longer and longer and longer. And it feels like my feet become lead bricks because the weight of everything, of potentially losing my job, is really raining down on me. Well, wow. I get down the hallway and I turn the corner, I see my boss's door. His door is closed and I see his secretary there, super sweet, nice old lady. And she says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? And She's kind of, you know, sheepishly grinning at me, trying to console me with her eyes because she knows everything about what's going on. I know nothing about what's going on. So I go and I take my seat and I sit down. I think about my life. If I get laid off right now, all the things that I've been told to work for this career and retire, I'm 65, 70 years old. I started thinking, did I just waste my life doing this? And then, oh my goodness, if I lose my job, how am I going to feed my family? So I started realizing Oh my goodness, does that make me a failure as a husband? Does it make me a failure as a dad trying to provide for his family? Well, as I'm sitting there, my hands get all clammy, my forehead gets all sweaty because the nerves of losing my job is raining down on me. Well, the door to my boss's office opens up. Out walks a lady, a coworker of mine, with a piece of paper in her hands. She is noticeably distraught, noticeably upset. She's not necessarily crying, but you can tell her world has been devastated. She passes by me. And my boss says, Dustin, would you please come into the office? So I get up and I go into his office and I get laid off. And remember, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government, but I did. And so I take that layoff notice and I go back and I sit at my desk and I realize two things. And this is the reason why I tell the story. I realized two things. Well, the first thing, I need to be able to provide for my family. I need to get a job. I need to figure out how to make money. So I was really blessed, praise the Lord, to find another job in the same county. Another department wasn't having that issue. Check, got that. But in that chair, just getting laid off, I realized the second thing. And again, this is the reason why I tell the story. I needed to make sure that this never, ever happens to me again. I need to make sure that nobody has the ability to take away my ability to feed my family. So right then and there, I said, I knew I needed to be an investor, but life got in the way. I said, from now on, I am an investor. And when everybody asks me the question, because we all get this question, well, they would say, Dustin, what do you do? I'd say, oh, I do IT or technology for local county government. Well, I'm basically projecting my value in myself is coming from my job. My value doesn't come from my job. My value comes from myself and from my God and from my family. So right then and there, I said, I will always tell everybody I am an investor. That's what I am. Now, it may so happen that 100% of my money comes from my job, that's now my part-time job. I'm a full-time investor. So fast forward the story, started buying property after property after property, each one making me $250 a month in passive income at the minimum. I don't buy it if it wasn't that. Eventually I had 30 plus properties and I realized even though I'm making $75,000 a year at this job, I'm losing money. So last part of the story, I went to my new boss, good boss and all, and I said, hey boss, here's your layoff notice, you know, jokingly. And we laughed and he said, well, Dustin, what are you gonna do? And I said, I don't have to do anything. I literally own real estate that makes money for me without working. So last part of the story, if you remember that hallway that got longer and longer and longer, that was rather short. Well, I walked, I was working in downtown and I walked to and from my car a mile and a half every single day, a thousand times. I had to been a thousand times because I didn't want to pay for parking, I was too frugal. Well, that's last walk to my car for the very last time, I felt like I was walking on clouds because I knew I would never ever need a job again. And everybody, you need to realize this. 
If you're working a job, your boss is not paying you what you are worth. You will never get paid what you're worth, and this is how you'll know. Your boss is paying you just enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much money it takes money out of their pocket. When you get paid for the value that you bring, they would go broke. So instead, figure out a way that's gonna help you to put your own value into what is gonna benefit you as opposed to making somebody else money. That's gonna be what you need to do. And so for me, real estate investing, buying multiple, eventually, like I said, 30 plus properties, like I'm gonna quit, but I'm gonna pause the story because you probably got plenty of questions. Yeah, no, 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 it's, it's so cool. Like that light switch of not giving somebody else control of that is so powerful that people just don't understand. Because it's really easy to say, you know, as somebody who also has kids, you know, well, we're having kids, like we don't have time, this is going on, we have this, you know, and then now it's all of a sudden, it's like, wait, this is why it has to become a priority because nobody can take this away from us ever again. Absolutely, and with that, the reason why I tell the story is that was something, that was a mistake that I did in my life. And I love this saying, a smart man learns from his mistakes, but a wise man learns from other people's mistakes. I say this because I almost had to lose my house. I almost didn't able to feed my family. Hopefully it's not gonna happen to other people because they're gonna start listening to saying, hey, let me learn from this. And here's another saying, I love this saying. I, when I first heard it when I was younger, I was like, oh, there's no way. I'm a good employee, I should be fine. But it's not if you get fired or laid off or lose your job, it's when. It will happen sometime in your life. And I was like, there's no way. It absolutely happened at the worst time, literally had my fourth child. Yeah. And so from, but buying properties after that, that is what really helped me. Now, what also with that was, this was in 2006 before the crash. And I did it the wrong way, which is what the quote unquote gurus will tell you. And so in 2006, when I first started investing, I didn't know what I was doing. I was watching TV late at night and one of those late night infomercials came on saying, hey, we're coming to your town. We're gonna two hour free seminar and we're gonna teach you how to invest. I'm all yeah. excited, this 2006, I'm like, yay, this is great. I'm like 22 or 23. And so I go to a two hour seminar. And going to that two hour seminar, it's all hype, all sales pitch for their uh, two day seminar. And it's, they said, and it's not me a billion dollars, but it's a thousand dollars today, run to the back and go ahead and buy that. And I said, okay, and I ran to the back. I ran to the back, bought that two-day seminar, more hype and sales pitch in this two-day seminar. They give you a little bit to where it kind of wets your beak a little bit, but yeah. it's all for this $80,000 course, this $100,000 course. I was like, I don't have that money. So, but what they did teach me or quote unquote teach me was the wrong way. And what they taught me, my property manager, I did exactly what they did, what they said, and my property manager started stealing from me within six months. And it was horrible. But then I realized there's gotta be a right way to do it because I'm not reinventing the wheel. People do this all the time. Yeah. There's gotta be a right way. So what I did was I approached it from a business mindset. Remember I said I've always been entrepreneurial. And so I approached it from, approached it from a business mindset. So I could literally explain the wrong way and then explain now the right way of what I've been doing for many, many years now. And then I coach a lot of people. Nice. And so, I, dude, I've, I've been through probably the same seminar, you know, we, we've, we've been there and it's, it, it's amazing how they give you just enough to where it's like, this is real. But then at the end, you're like, wait, I, I really can't do anything with this. But what you hope you get out of it is your batteries are charged. You at least get the energy from the room and then start trying to figure it out, whether, you know, it's a coach or YouTube or whatever it is, um, or just the hard knocks of, of, of it. And so I want to talk about some of the buy and hold stuff because we we haven't talked much. We we've had some guests on wholesaling, we've had some on short term stuff, but nobody really focused yet on buy and hold. And that's why I got into the business. So I'm I'm curious to learn. So you bought your first one, you made the 317 bucks for the first time. How long was it before you bought your second one? Was it pre being laid off, post being laid off? It was before I got laid off. So I bought that first one. And I think I had two or three at the time when I got laid off. Yeah. And so I knew I wanted to, but what, as soon as I got laid off, I literally scaled it up from there. I said, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna let anything stop me now. And so, uh, but from the first one, the first one's always the hardest for every single person. It's always the hardest. But once you have it, usually the second one's not as hard because you're not as, it's not new to you. It's not brand new. And you're like, oh, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but here's the thing for me with that first one, I almost stopped. 
I literally almost stopped because my property manager started stealing from me. And here's what the quote unquote gurus told me from the very beginning. And I'll tell you the wrong way, but everybody, you'll hear it, but I want you to quickly forget it because I'll give you the right way, at least what I do and my students do. So, and Brandon, you'll hear this. This is literally what they say. You find a property anywhere in the country and then you run the numbers. Running the numbers means make sure you calculate expenses. And they, this was 2006. Remember this was before the crash and the appreciation was, or like the yeah. values were going up. They said, make sure you're making $25, $50 a month in passive income, but you're investing for appreciation. That's what you're gonna love. I'll pause that and say, I don't invest for appreciation. I invest for cash flow. I will literally give these properties to my kids. So it doesn't matter if it goes up. This is generational wealth that I'm creating. So they say, run the numbers, make sure you get appreciation. And then they say, spend thousands of dollars to buy the property, then spend thousands of dollars to fix up the property. Then you find a tenant and then you find a property manager. Well, in my opinion, that's just about backwards. Like I said, I did that and my property manager started stealing from me because I didn't know what I was doing. Now, if it's it, what I said, it's just about backwards. And what we do is I realized that was wrong because I didn't build a business. Because I said, I've always been entrepreneurial. I've built many businesses. I approach this from a business mindset. And what I realized was if I build the business, getting experts before I buy a property to make sure I do the business right, then they're the ones that are gonna make sure I do it right. Here, so forget that old way, that, that wrong way. Here's the right way. We build the business, we find a city that has really good inventory. This is how I was able to scale, to get back to your, your idea of how quickly I bought my next property. I scaled my business because I, I then realized I need to build the business to have the experts do the work. So here's the thing. A lot of people come to me and say, uh, well, Dustin, you know, I did everything and I went to find a property manager and no property manager would manage the property because they said they would get shot there because it's a bad area. Like, well, you don't have an asset anymore. You have a liability. So instead of calling up a property manager and saying, hey, property manager, I bought this property. Would you manage it? And they say no. Instead, how much better would it be if you say, property manager, I'm looking to buy this property. Tell me about how much will it rent for? What's the clientele like? What's the vacancy factor? Will you manage it? Ask all those questions. They say no, then you're good because you didn't spend the time and money and everything to buy that property. You move on to the next area. Same thing with everything else in the business. This is how I was able to scale because I find the right property managers, realtors, they have the uh, mortgage brokers, wholesalers, plumbers, roofers, everything in the business before I bought any inventory. Now, oh, I, that, that keyword, I'll quickly share. I view my properties not as, and the quote unquote gurus will tell you, your property is your business. In my opinion, no, my business owns inventory. That's inventory in my business. That's how I'm able to scale it. Let me give you an example of what that looks like. So if you're gonna start a convenience store, you wouldn't sign a lease on, you know, convenience stores, candy bars and soda machines. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't sign a lease on a location, open the doors and set a box of candy bars in there on the ground. You wouldn't do that. You go out of business in two seconds. But what you would do is you would build the business first. You'd get the gondolas or the shelving units. You get the, the countertops, the cold storage, the bank accounts, cash registers, everything in the business before you buy any inventory. Same thing with real estate investing. You find all the right people and then they are the ones that help you to buy the right inventory. Does that all make sense? I'm, I'm sure you do this in your business, yeah. but this is what I do. It does, because there, there's so many people who, you know, they just want to buy a house and they want to flip and they just get into it and then they don't realize they don't have anybody to help them do it, you know? And, and then, they bring in a contractor, an electrician, a property manager, uh, you know, somebody, and they say, well, you should have known this or should have seen this. And, and you know, they're brand new, they don't know. And, and it's hard in the beginning. It, it is hard to get contractors to help you. It is hard to get property managers to give you attention. And so, but it's important to build those relationships. And how I've found that you can do that is with like casting your vision out to them. You know, hey, listen, I know I don't necessarily have one yet, um, or maybe I have one, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we have our capital. And then people can get behind and, and kind of understand that. Can I give you a little insight of what I do and tell my students? So okay. I get a, I get a lot of students who have never done this before. Now I get plenty wow. of, lots of, lots of students that have two or three and they're wanting to build and want to scale to 30, 50, hundred and in the multifamily. But so all of my students, so for everybody listening, if you've never done the long-term and you're trying to get people to work with you building your business. So a lot of us, I did the exact same thing where I try to 
uh, prove that I'm worth working for and yeah. kind of just say, you know, this is what I'm doing and, and explain way too much. But here's, I'll give you, go right to the, this is what I tell my students. This is like literally uh, exactly what I say. If you're, when you are calling up and interviewing property managers, contractors, like interviewing everybody, what a newbie would say is, hey, property manager, you know, I'm looking to build my team and I'm looking to start investing in this. They start clarifying or like, like, like giving all these qualifications. What, here's what an investor does. Hey, property manager, I'm an investor. I'm looking to buy properties. Do you manage properties? Tell me about what your services are. Literally straightforward. I don't know. Yeah. It puts them where they have to prove to me that they are good enough. Now, if they ask me how many properties you have, I'm going to be honest, completely be honest and say, this is what I'm doing, but we don't need to, they're working for us. We are their customer. So we don't need to qualify ourselves. Just go straight forward. Start building your business like you are already there. And I love, I won't say love it. I really enjoy the the uh, act or the, the, the idea, fake it till you make it. And it's hard to do that. It's really, really hard to do that. But if you just put yourself like now, because I've done it, it's so easy for me. You just got to put yourself in that mindset. Just like when I said, I told everybody that I was an investor. I think I had two or three properties at the time, but I was telling, even though like I still had a job, they say, oh, what do you do for a living? I'm an investor. Like, oh, you make all your money there? No, I still have a, a part-time job. I make all my money from that. But we have to have that mindset to where we're moving forward and we're not going to let anything stop us. Yeah. No, and, and I I think you're spot on. I, I, I like, I've, I've never heard anybody phrase it that way, even though they make their money from their full-time or part-time job, however you, how you word it. I'm an investor. No, you don't need to know where my income comes from, but it you start to believe it, you start to feel it, you start to understand it, and that allows you to start to have some success with that. On top of that, what happens too is people start to know you as an investor. And deal because I'm an investor for so long, and plus with you know my podcast and all the stuff I do as yeah. a real estate investor, everybody knows me. Like if if they know me, they know me as a real estate investor. Because for the last, I don't know. 10 years, I've been telling people, I'm an investor, I'm an investor. They don't know me as this guy that did technology at the county. They don't know me at that anymore. They know me as yeah. an investor. With that, people want to invest with me. Mortgage brokers want to work with me because I buy properties. Realtors love to work with me. Wholesalers try to find me. It's because I put it out there that this is what I do. And those people that need investors like us, they find us too. And then like, here's the beautiful thing. I don't, I really don't work in my business. In fact, a lot of people have heard and or read the book, The Four Hour Work Week. You know, the premise is you try to make your life so you can work four hours a week. Well, in my opinion, working four hours a week is for suckers. I don't want to work four hours a week. I don't want to work four hours a month. I maybe work 30 minutes a month on all my properties because I built the business. I just look at the pro property management statements and then set it aside and go back to doing my own thing with my own family. Because when you build the business, you put in systems, procedures and processes in place that they, these people that you have running your business, do all the work for you. And the way I was able to scale my business because they were doing all the work to become financially independent, successfully unemployed, I realized if I buy one property that makes me $250 a month in passive income, then that's $3,000 a year without working. And I thought, well, yeah. this is simple math. All I need to do is if I get 10 properties, that's $2,500 a month, $30,000 a year in passive income, 20 properties is $5,000 a month, $60,000 a year without working. I said, all I got to do is just scale it up. If I have a business with the systems, procedures, and processes in place, I will literally just buy another piece of inventory and put it into my business and then buy another piece of inventory, put it in my business. And so now I literally have three states that I invest in. My students, we invest all over the country, but what we do is we find passive income, properties that make us money every single month. And one little also tidbit, it's also fun. I get people who have tried investing in real estate. They'll say, well, Dustin, how do you afford a property manager? And I say, I don't, I don't afford a property manager. Like I don't have to get a job to pay no. for the property manager. And here's, you'll, you'll absolutely appreciate this, Brandon. I don't pay my taxes on any of my properties. I don't pay my insurance. I don't pay my mortgage. I don't pay for my property manager, the repairs or anything like that. My tenants pay for all that. Now, so happens the money comes into me and I go out and pay all those bills, but I don't have to get a job for any of that. So yeah. I do not buy the property unless all those expenses are accounted for. And I make a minimum of $250 a month in passive income. And this sky's the limit. Like the properties I bought in 2006, I still own. And they're making me six, seven, $800 a month in passive income. Because I love this saying, 
you don't wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait, because over time, everything keeps going up. And so my opinion, every time is the best time to invest in real estate. You just need to make sure you have the right deal at that time. And that's what we do in my investing. No, it's it's absolutely it. And so stuff you've bought, it's what, 20, 23 now, 17 years ago. I mean, if it's not paid off, it's really close to being paid off. And what's cool about buying, buying holds and what I've always loved about it is you're giving yourself a raise every year. And you know, you're maybe ra you're raising your net worth, you're raising your your monthly paychecks. You know, you yeah, there are things that are gonna be cost to every business and, and it is what it is. But just like life, you're giving yourself a raise every single year for the rest of your life. On top of that, which you're 100% right, to add to that, where everybody in America is worried about inflation. 100% we're worried about inflation. Yeah. But I don't worry about inflation because my money is tied to inflation. As inflation goes up, my rents go up. It's just literally um, how it works. Uh, yeah. My rents have gone up in the last two, three years since 2020. My rents have just skyrocketed because that's the going rate for the market. Now I don't, I'm actually, I try to be the best landlord I can. I don't uh, mess people up by saying, oh, it's it should be, you know, you're paying 1500, it should be 2000. Let me just jack it up to 2000. I don't do that personally. What I suggest to my students, hey, Try, I, I read the Bible every day and multiple times a day. And I think I, I love the idea of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If somebody were jack mine from $1,500 to $2,000, that's not very nice. So what we would do is that we're at $1,500. Let's raise it up to maybe $1,595 one year. The next year, raise it up to maybe $1,650. Next year, raise it up to seven or $1,695, whatever. But we're going to work our way up. Jacking it up is just going to hurt somebody. So all that to say, you're 100% right. You give yourself a raise every year. But here's another great thing. I'm, there's so many great things. So obviously, I said this earlier, generational wealth, giving these properties to my kids, I would literally give it to you. You can't give your job to your kids, yeah. but you can give your real estate. And on top of that, I when I said I don't invest for appreciation like I'm gonna sell it, but I invest for equity. I buy the house lower than it's worth, so I capture that equity. I also fix it up so it's worth more. And then just over time it goes up, but I use the equity. I have literally recycled my money on, for my properties. I bought one property, recycle that money, which means pulled it out to buy the next property. And then recycle that, pull that out to buy the next property because that equity in there is just sitting there. You can use that over and over and over again to buy the next property. I'll give you a quick example. One of my students, he's a pastor in Sacramento, California, doesn't make much money. He literally has no savings, but he said, like, Dustin, I know I wanna be able to have the ability to not work my entire life or you know, be a pastor entire life. I want to, but let's say I'm 70, 80 years old and I can't, I need to have money. So he yeah. said, can you help me? And I said, absolutely, let's see what you can do. He didn't have any savings in it, 401k, nothing. But what he did have, he bought a house in 2014 in Sacramento. Now in 2022, when he started 21 to 22, he started working together, it was, in just skyrocketed the value. He had loads of equity. So we took that equity, a home equity line of credit, pulled that cash out, bought a property in Georgia. In, and we invest all over the country. We love investing out of state. Bought a, a property in Georgia and bought it with cash. His home equity line of credit, bought it with cash, then refinanced it, pulled that cash back out. Now that house has a 30 year fixed note and he takes that and paid back off his home equity line of credit. So he has it to use it all over again. So now he has no no home equity line of credit out on his property because now it's paid back. Now he has a full property with a, it's a, I think it's making $380 a month. He beat me on his first one. He did a great job. $380 a month on his passive income. And it has a 30 year fixed loan and he's gonna be making money in passive income and he could do it all over again with that home equity line of credit. It's just, there's so many amazing things about real estate investing that changes people's lives. 100%. And you know your cash flow and purchase price is gonna be a little different from Georgia and California as well. So that and he probably would have never thought about that living in Sacramento to even look into um, look into Georgia. So I want to talk into that now. I want to. So let's think about the new person buying their first buy and hold. And so let's talk about some limiting beliefs or some real beliefs, but things they have to think about are you buy the property, let's say they know how to buy the property. They buy it at, at 70, 75%, whatever their model is of value, um, less repairs and, and all, all the kind of cliche investor stuff. Make sure that cash flows, everything there. And then, so now they have to go refinance the house. 
which is I think is is where everybody gets scared, they get timid, they don't understand, you know, because you have to hope your appraisal hits, you need to, you know, make sure some certain things happen. And if you, they don't all align, which there have been issues um, for sure, you know, what am I gonna do with it as far as shortfall of money or something of that nature? Let's let's talk about their, their first home and kind of some stuff that's gonna scare them um, for buying it. So you are absolutely right. The biggest thing that stops people living belief is fear. It's yeah. always gonna be fear because you're worried about losing your money. You're worried about losing your savings, you know, and having bad credit and all that. So you're worried about that. So I 100% went through that exact same thing. Buying my first property wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was gonna be. And I've coached hundreds, literally almost thousands of students, but like lots and lots of students now to do the same thing. But it's always fear of doing something wrong to lose money. But here's the thing. People think that investing in real estate is risky. In my opinion, working for somebody else is so much more risky because they can literally at any time take your ability to feed your family away from you. So when you start realizing that this, if you have a paycheck, that paycheck is not guaranteed, it can actually take be taken away your property though. Once you own that, you own it. So that's the first limiting belief is the fear. The fear that you're gonna do something wrong. Well, as soon as you get knowledge and the, the answer to fear is education and knowledge and seeing, maybe getting a mentor, maybe listening to lots of podcasts. Like my podcast is literally just me teaching how to do this stuff. I barely do interviews. It's just me teaching how I do it in my business. And so you need education beats out fear. And then once you do that for, well, on top of that, education beats out fear, but then the action. Action yeah. really destroys fear. In fact, courage is not acting in without fear, but courage is acting in the face of fear and pushing through it. But here's a big key. When you go to get your first property, what you absolutely must do is you need to make sure that you're having other people do the work for you, that they're the experts. In fact, a lot of my students, they say, hey, Dustin, you invest in a city. You're the expert. Tell me about it. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa stop, stop, stop. I'm not the expert. I don't live there. I don't manage the properties. Now I know a little bit because I talked to my experts there. I hire experts on the ground, property managers, realtors. Like I went through all the lists earlier. If yeah. you hire them, you get them to do the work for you, then you absolutely have experts there that are gonna be doing all the work, making sure you're not buying the right property. In fact, my students, when they find the right property manager, those property managers are gonna tell them this is the better area of the city to invest in. This is where you should invest. So you're already not even looking at the bad areas. So when you look at what you can do in getting past that fear, number one, education. And then once you get that and you start moving forward, moving forward in courage, then going into building the business. Here's the biggest thing, what I do. I don't take risk at all in my business. There's no risk at all because I know what's gonna happen before it happens. I'll give you an example, like that mortgage idea. If somebody's gonna use their home equity credit and buy a house and they need to get a mortgage on it afterwards to hopefully get their money back out to pay off their home equity line of credit, here's the thing. I don't want any chance of that not working out. Let's say, make even harder, let's say you get hard money and that you have to be paid back in one year, six months to a year. That's hard money, which is a little more advanced strategy. I've even used credit cards. That's a very advanced strategy. I've yeah. literally bought houses with credit cards, signature loans. These short-term loans that you have to be paid back really fast, that's much more uh, advanced. But here's the thing. We do not get into that hard money, that um, a signature loan for a bank or credit cards. We, we don't get into any of that or even the home economic credit unless we know without a shadow of a doubt, we can refinance it be, or after we buy it because we've already talked, we have two or maybe even three backup mortgage brokers because I share them. This is my business model. I'm buying this house with this home equity on a credit, the uh, uh, private money, um, hard money, whatever it is, you fill everything out. This is what I'm doing. Then I need to refinance it in six months when a seizing period's over, and then can you get me that money out? What's the dollar amount that I have to hit like with the appraisal and all that sort of stuff? I need to buy it for lower. There's a lot of intricacies, but I verify that these mortgage brokers will be able to get me out of that. Does that make sense? Like we get the experts. Yeah. They're the ones that before we buy any properties, we make sure we have everything laid out. Yeah, 
No, I mean the the biggest one that still is the wild card is going to be your brazer. I mean that they, they are the they are the biggest wild card with all of it. We recently had one we had to go pay for a second appraisal because like the appraisal just didn't. I was like, this is a joke. My lender thought it was a joke. Everybody around except for the appraiser. And I was like, let's pay for another one and get this thing done because we're talking a lot of money here. So. Did that work or are you still going through it? Still going through it. Yeah. So we're we're uh, we're finishing it up, but it's it's uh it, that's that's the one thing. But you're right, it's if you talk to these people, they will tell you everything that you need to know about how to do it. You know, um, they can look at your credit report and say, All right, based on your credit, this is the loan amount that we're able to give you. These are what your yeah, I like to call them junk fees, but they're points or lender fees, origination, you know, these are what are gonna be there. And then how you kind of spoke in the beginning, you underwrite your deal to all of this stuff. Cause they just see, which is easy math, $100,000 house, they're gonna get an 80% value loan. They're like, okay, great. So they're gonna give me $80,000 back, but maybe you're gonna have a point or two points or a $500 origination. Then the appraisal's so much money. And so understanding what all that stuff is, is really important. Absolutely. And the, the, for me, it's understanding your business. Now let's give you an example. If you're running a business, like I said, the convenience store or something like else like that, but you need to know the business before you even start that business. I'll give you an example of what we do in real estate investing. I make sure that I make money from every single property that I buy. In fact, when I, 2006, when I started investing, I was just going for passive income because I didn't know what I was doing. I, I want to make money. I want to cash flow every single month. I can't eat appreciation, but my family can't eat the food yeah. that the money can buy that I make from. So even though the market crashed in 2008, which it seems like right now, market's starting to change and it might crash or correct. Something might happen. But if because I invested for passive income, I saw so many other investors go bankrupt, go broke because they were investing for appreciation. They were doing it what the gurus were saying. They were hoping the value goes up. They were making very little money in passive income. They were over leveraged. They went bankrupt. The way that I invested, I make money where the market goes up, down, or sideways because I make money in passive income. And give this is a quick example. Let's say you, the um, convenience store analogy, let's say you're gonna buy a candy bar and you know, without a shadow of a doubt, you can sell it every single day, all day for $1. Okay, good. Let's say you can buy it for 50 cents. Awesome, you buy it for 50 cents, you sell it for a dollar, you make 50 cents. But here's the great thing about real estate investing. Let's say you don't even have that 50 cents and it costs you 25 cents to borrow that 50 cents and then you buy it, you're out of pocket 75 cents, you still sell it for a dollar, you make 25 cents every single candy bar. You're like, how much money can I borrow from other people because I can make this yeah. money. But here's the thing. You would not, if you had a business, you would not buy the candy bar for $1.25 if you could only sell it for a dollar. You'd lose money. Why would you do that? That's just not smart. You'd lose money every single month or every single candy bar that you sell. Same thing with real estate investing. If you are making, my suggestion is $250 a month in passive income. Once you have 20 properties, that's $60,000 a year without working. And so my perspective is, if we build the business, make sure we're making cash flow every single month, then everything works out. That's one, one like another saying that a lot of people say like, um, cash is king, number one, but in business, cash flow is king. Like you need wow. to have money coming in. If you don't have money coming in, you're you're in trouble. Yeah, it's something we learned as flip because we primarily flip. What led us to having to buy more buy and holds is because it's like, there are months when there is no money coming in. And that's not really, a massive deal as long as you flip it and you make a nice check but then all of a sudden you have payments coming out that's when it changes all of a sudden you have some draws something goes over budget you know and and your cash flow it just goes away and so that's where the you know your side of it having these long-term holds you know they can take care of all of those issues you know you can run the flipping on its own and it can pay for itself but then the buy and hold, make sure that your bills are paid, that you're eating your food, that you're taking care of your kids. Absolutely. And I have, well, here's another great thing about becoming a real estate investor and becoming successful and employed. I literally have 40 plus hours of my life back to do other things other than building somebody else's business or their organization. I literally now have four companies that make me money every single month and my goal now and my brand is master passive income once i bought rent, rent one rental property 
I got a check and then the next month I got another check and then the next month I got a check. I did it one time. I was like, I've mastered passive income. I literally, and like, let me help other people master passive income. It's because once you work one time and it makes money over and over again, it's like, my goodness, I have so much more time to now build other businesses. That's why I coach. That's why I have my courses. That's why I even have a conference called the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. I've got hundreds of students and I've met so many friends podcasting and YouTubing that are investors that this year we have 45 expert speakers. They're in influencers just like myself that coach people. We're all coming together, bringing all of our audiences together and helping them to invest. It's not one of those sales pitch. You will, it's actually no sales pitch conference. You won't see the, hey, run to the back. It's none of that. It's literally coaching. So these are four companies that I've created because I have my life back. And then I get to play with my kids and I have everything in my life rather than working for somebody else. So when you realize that passive income is possible and then that passive income can actually get you financial freedom or freedom from a job then though it's limitless and if you want to continue flipping absolutely but you your food and what you're paying for your family to make sure they're living is coming in automatically because it's long-term buy and hold properties then flipping is extra money to go on cruises and vacations and buy more yeah. properties every penny that i get goes right back into real estate investing. A lot of people have heard the term or the saying, you know, streams of income. We need multiple streams of income. I 100% agree, but all of my multiple streams of income flow back into my river of income, which is my real estate investing. It all goes back because that's tangible. It will literally never go away. And I will give that to my kids. Yeah, no, it's, that's, I love it. And that's save up the money, buy another one. Just keep, keep adding them on top. So what, what advice would you give somebody let's say they own one or two rentals you know that's wanting to kind of grow a portfolio what what where do you like to start with them and and helping them kind of get their third and, and get going moving forward got it the first thing is i look to see did they first build a good business wherever they're investing can they replicate that meaning not the replicate the business but replicate buying the next piece of inventory and buying it can they buy the next piece of inventory and buying it putting inside their business that's the first thing did they already do that if they didn't and i'll be completely honest and say majority of time no like 90 percent of the time they did not and so if they did, then we scale and scaling is getting other fi creative financing, um, getting more uh, other people looking for properties for me, getting, you know, working with uh, Resimply and making sure that we can get really good deals and close on them and all that sort of stuff. There, that's, that's the way to scale once you already have the business. If they don't have the business, I show them how to build the business anywhere in the country that we have a city that has good inventory, the types of homes we want to buy that are going to make money and passive income with that then we make sure we pause looking at properties. We're not gonna, in fact, this is something, I'll jump to my students, they'll say, Dustin, I found a great city, lots of inventory, the types of homes we wanna buy. I've already got five realtors sending me deals. I say, whoa, 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 stop, stop. If you bought a house right now, do you have a property manager that would manage the property? They say, uh, no. I'm like, you're putting the cart before the horse. Properties, that's the easy part. That's literally the easy part. If you build the yeah. business right, you'll have wholesalers sending you deals. You'll have other investors. I've even had title companies say, hey, this is a property. And just last week, I had one of contractors say, hey, Dustin, I know you're an investor. This investor wants to sell the property. Would you want to buy it? Let's talk about it. You know, it's absolutely. So when we build the business, then we can scale it. So that's what my suggestion is. Number one, build the business so you can scale it get the right people working before you even buy any properties if you already have a couple properties and you have a business what we need to do is get creative in the financing we don't want to have financing be limiting us and at the same time getting more deals sending us use using resimply to make sure we're closing on really good deals and making sure that we're making passive income so that's what i said there's obviously a lot more that we can go into but that's the first couple things that you must do gotcha so looking looking to build like hey instead of just buying a third rental, is there something here that you can continue to grow? If not, let's stop for a second. Let's build something that you can actually put, you know, building blocks on top of versus Absolutely. buying a whole bunch of stuff, being scattered all around the place, nobody to manage it, nobody to renovate it, no clue what the value is. And then all of a sudden it's a hot mess and you may or may not, you know, pull out of it. Well, I've seen more often than not when they don't build a business, cause like it happened to me too. Um, when they don't build a business, it's much harder on them. They have to work so much harder. When I when you build the business, you put systems and procedures and processes in place. Then 
that business runs itself. The people that are running it, they already know what to do because you've already told them what to do and it runs itself. Yeah, no, 100%. It's, it's so amazing how many people don't ever think about this as well. I, I've talked to family members, I've talked to friends who are working towards retirement. And I was like, well, why, especially with well-established W-2 jobs that can go get better bank financing than somebody like myself who, hey, I was a food and bev manager, making $50,000 a year, quit my job. No bank wants to touch me at all, you know, until I have multiple tax returns cycled through of flipping and, and income. And so I tell people, I'm like, just buy one a year. You do that for 10 years, you do that for 15 years, whatever age you are, you have that the rest of your life. Your kid, and then, and then what you said, you're not leaving an inheritance to your kids that you may or may not have some of it left. You're leaving a source of income for them that can continue to grow. Absolutely, and I'll add to that. If you buy one a year, 100%, let's say 10 years later, you have 10 properties I and mean, they're making money. But here's an easier way, not easier. It's a, a, a way to do that where you buy one a year. Just don't sell your house when you move. You buy a house, move into it. Then look for another house, buy that next house, move into that, don't sell it, rent it out. But here's the key. You buy it knowing that it will be a rental and you just keep upgrading over and over again and leave a house that's a rental property. I had uh, a friend of mine uh, just, uh, was it two days ago? Yeah, two days ago. He said, hey Dustin, so he's not an investor. He's like, he knows I'm an investor. So he's asking me my opinion. He said, oh, we could sell our house but I was kind of thinking and moved like from Arizona all the way to Missouri. We will move up, uproot our family. I said, oh, well, you could do that. You're gonna make a good amount of equity. But instead, if you rented that, you're literally gonna have that passive income, that money coming in, because he, he has a really low mortgage because he bought it a number of years ago. But if you sell it, then it's gone. If you keep it and have that, if you need to move back to Arizona and you don't like Missouri, they call it misery for a reason. Sorry for anybody yeah. that lives in misery. Yeah. Um, but if you need to move back, it's still there but it's also making you money. Your income's higher because Brandon, I completely agree. When you quit your job, banks, it's it's harder. Banks to, they say, hey, can you really pay back this loan? That's what they think. Because when you have a W-2, it's like, check, money coming in, pay off the loan. But what about if you needed to have more income to make sure you have, you look better on the bank? It's called being bankable or the, the yeah. idea of this term. If you have rental property, that increases your income, which makes you more bankable. Pay, the banks want to give you money because you have more money coming in to pay them back. So 100% agree. And that's what we love to do is if you could buy one a year, if you buy one a year, you'll realize the second year, shoot, I might as well buy two. And yeah. then the third, because it's not that hard. You know, just getting started, that's the hardest part. But once you get going, you're like, this is nothing. I can't believe I was that worried about it. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's spot on and and i and i love the idea like we just moved into a new primary home in august um our first one actually and it's funny we're already i am already like what's the next house and it's you know we, we joked about it and it's like well this will just be a rental you know this will be I, I i can't ever imagine we we flip and sell a bunch of homes but the idea of like selling our own i was like i don't know that i ever could like just that's an easy way to kind of backfill a portfolio is and it's a lot more fun doing it that way because you get to live in it for a little while, enjoy it, and then and then go on to the next one. I kid you not, I've talked to so many people who flip that kick themselves after 10, 15 years saying, I never kept any of them. And yeah. they're like, I wish I would have done that. I wish I just, just one out of the 10 I flipped in one year, I should have kept one. Like, yeah, absolutely. So I love making sure that money is coming in whether I work or not, because Everybody, everybody, if you're flipping, you need to be honest with yourself. It's a job. If you don't yes. flip the next property, you're not going to make money, which yes. is not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm saying you want to make sure that your income is always coming in. My opinion, buy and hold. It could be short-term properties, midterm, could be long-term, but buy and hold is the best way to go. So if you're buying, let's say two deals, maybe keep one as best you can. If you're doing 10 deals, keep at least one. You better keep at least one. Yeah. No, I and, and it's, it's a good strategy, like deploy, build your business, so that as these are coming, hey, the best way I heard it once, I was in a mastermind and a, a really successful investor. He's like, everything that comes into our business is on a conveyor belt. And then basically this conveyor belt, we determine what's the best exit strategy. Is it a flip? Is it a rental? Is it a wholesale? And then it just, it just goes and it just goes onto its appropriate belts and it just is moved out. 
And there are times when rentals are obviously cash flow, but sometimes tax reasons. You know, there are, there are people who make a bunch of money and they're like, wait, we, we need to keep some homes. We don't need to sell some of these. And so they're like, well, I'll get cash flow and tax benefits, which is, I'm sure, a whole nother world for you to talk about on that Absolutely. side. Absolutely. I love the tax benefits. Yeah. So we do this really fun thing that Sherrod built Resimply on and that we really want to focus with to our investors. And that's data, sales, marketing, and then systems and procedures, which you've talked about a ton on here. And what we like to get each guest is kind of give us their one thing that if nothing else would be something they would focus on in that specific spot. So the first one would be data. What kind of data do you like to look at and make an integral part of your business? I So the data that I look at, if, if we're going with numbers, it would be making sure that I'm making passive income and calculating expenses and knowing the income. That's, that's, that's really what it comes down to. And I make sure that I'm making passive income. Now, if we're talking about like the data, like the actual intelligence, I do not make a move unless my experts tell me. Like that's data, that's absolutely like numbers, but it's literal data that I need. If my property manager says I won't manage it, that's data, that's that's information that I did not yeah. have originally, that I do now have. If my contractor says it's gonna cost $30,000 to fix it up, when I thought it was gonna be 15, that's absolute data that I need in my business and I require my experts, the people on the ground, the business that I built to give me that data so I can make the best decision possible. And that's a great flip on data. You know, a lot of people think data lists, you know, what what sellers are talking about. They forget about the data that their team's given them. Hey, this is what it's going to rent for, what it's going to renovate for. Will I manage it? Will I not? So that's a cool piece of data to have inside of your own business um, that it's important to pay attention to. So the next thing would be sales. So how about for you in sales? Well, Sales is about people. That's what it is. So real estate's not about properties. Business is not about products. Real estate's about people. Business is about people. If you try to sell a person, you're, you might get a couple, you might get some, you might be really good at selling a person, whatever it is you're trying to sell them. If you focus on the person, what they need and you know, an idea is creating win-wins. That's absolutely what it is. But instead of creating win-wins or you're focusing on yourself, focus on what you can do for them and say, this is about a person who's selling their house. How do I get them what they need? First, let me understand what they need, number one. Number two, how do I get them what they need? And then fulfill that. Sales is only about people because the interactions with people, if you know people, you help them get what they want, they will help you get what you want. Absolutely, love that one. All right, how about marketing? What kind of marketing do you lean into for yourself and your business? It's kind of funny. I love marketing where I have other people do all the work. I mean, we know of the, you know, the, the driving for dollars, uh, yellow letters. We know about like all these different types of ways to do it. On top of that, I'm a people person. Remember, this is all about people. Real estate's about people, not about properties. I have countless, I can't even count how many people, how many wholesalers send me deals, how many other investors, um, investing groups, property managers, contractors. I tell everybody, I'm buying real estate, send me deals. I literally wake up in the morning, drink my coffee, look at my emails from all the wholesalers that send me deals, and I look which one I wanna buy, or an investor send me, or call a, have a contractor call me and say, hey, would you wanna buy? So that's what I do, is because I've been doing this for so long, so many people know me as a real estate investor that deals come to me as opposed to me going out and finding deals. Now I do will say that I love the idea or doing uh, direct letters. Direct letters have been really, really good. You know, it, it, it's a nuance, so you have to do it right, but yeah. direct mail is, is terrific. But the biggest thing for me, I love people sending me deals. They're the best deals, they're, they're, they're the best. And then last thing, and you've and you've talked about this a bunch, what's a tip with systems and processes, you add procedures, which I think is a huge key that people forget about on there as well, that you would kind of lean into and love, love in that space. Yeah. Yeah, so what's interesting, I'm gonna give everybody, I'm gonna tell everybody what they need, not what necessarily they want. So on my YouTube channel, my podcast, the most watched videos and the most listened to episodes are on financing. How do you find prop money? How do you find money to, to, to pay for it? And then how do you find properties? That's what they people want, but this is not what you want. This is what you need. So people come to me and then I give them what they need. What you need in your operations is your property manager. That's by far, that's your quarterback, that they're the, they're, they're making sure you're making money, saving money and protected. And so 
the what the videos and episodes that are not watched and listened to are the property manager ones because it's not sexy. It's not like, oh, this is great, you know, get money and all sorts. But this is what you need: your business systems and processes and procedures. Now, buying and fixing up, yeah, we have that. But ongoing to make it generational wealth and automatic business where you don't work, you put in your property manager. You tell them, I don't care how you run any other property or landlord. How you run their business is different. This is how you run my business. And they'll give you a quick example. The rent's due on the first. It's late after the third. It On the fourth, if they haven't paid, we give them a three-day notice. And this is blanket for everybody. Give them a three-day notice and a late fee. As soon as that three-day notice is up, if they have not paid, absolutely start the eviction right then and there. It's a business. We cannot be partial to anything. Oh, they, I've had, I had to learn this the hard way. I've had people tell me, or, you know, my property manager relay, oh, this, this tenant, their son got arrested again, the third time, and they had to use their money for bail and all that sort of stuff. Can they not pay their rent? And I, I'm a nice guy. Oh, it's a hard time. I get it. But no, if I called up my mortgage co company, my bank, hey, is it okay if I don't pay my mortgage this month? My son got arrested. No, you're done. You're like, we're going to start the foreclosure yeah. process. So what we do is we put in systems and procedures and processes for our property managers. Another quick one, if the price is over $100, then call me. If it's under $100, go ahead and fix it. Go ahead and take care of it. I don't even want to be bothered. Another quick one, if it's over $1,000, you better get more than one quote. I don't want just one quote with over a thousand dollars. You better be giving me two or three quotes because yeah. price is one, but different eyeballs looking at the problem. What one person thinks is a problem might not be the problem. These other two think it's this other problem. Anyways, systems, procedures, and process are a must. I love the way that you talk about collecting rent and then the way about no questions. If it's under a hundred questions over a hundred and then multiple quotes at a thousand. And I want to add one thing to that. And this is more from like my personal experience and why I think that's so important. We are flipping a house. We're losing money on this house. It just is what it was. We had to get it done. We noticed an issue that the previous owner, nobody caught. My plumber was like, oh, the only way we can do this is to dig out the whole backyard. He's going to charge us like 12 grand to do it. And I was like, man, this is something in me. And this is our plumber we use for everything. He's done great by us. I called in a second plumber who we've used. He fixed it for 800 bucks. And it was just, he saw it differently. And he was able to reroute it in a different manner that nobody thought about. And so I, I love it the idea. All the time. And, and a property manager, they're just gonna be, they're gonna go to their trusted plumber, their electrician, whoever. And that person may only look at something one way. Absolutely, well, HVAC systems for me, yeah. countless times, HVAC system coming comes and says, oh, just replace it. Oh, it can't be fixed. Are you, are, you, are you sure? Get somebody else that actually knows what they're doing once you find a good per, good uh, contractor or a good HVAC guy. Oh yeah, it's just this $30 part and it costs me, I don't know, 50 bucks and there you're dead. And that's happened to me countless times. So having multiple quotes, multiple eyes looking at the problem, multiple minds that can probably figure out how to fix it. Yeah. So much better. Yep, absolutely. Well, so Dustin, I appreciate it, man. Where can people find you? Where can they learn about you? If they want to know more about, um, you know, being successfully unemployed themselves. Absolutely. Actually, I have a course, a free course I just yeah. love giving out. Do you mind if I share that with everybody? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So if you text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll literally give you my free book and my free course. It, it's got people to invest just from this free course. You can even go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, all one word, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, show you how to find a property or sorry, uh, anywhere in the country, where to find good city for inventory, build the business, buy your property, right? Making sure you're making money in passive income, scale your business to become financially independent. You can even find me on my podcast, the master passive income podcast. It's literally just me giving away all this information. YouTube as well, master passive income. I even have a Instagram and I, I actually don't mind. I actually enjoy um, the DMs I get, but you can find me, the Dustin Heiner on Instagram. I'm not that arrogant, Brandon. It's just the only handle I could come up with. Yeah, no, you know, dude, T -H -E. I, I love when people have like random sevens and periods and you yeah. know. I was like, yeah, oh, this works. Yeah, the yeah. last thing, I have my conference, the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. I'm talking to Resimply about coming out and being a part of it and, and really just sharing with everybody the great service that they have. It's called the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. If you go to rubcon.com, it's abbreviated, R-E-W-B-C-O-N.com, 
And if you use a promo code podcast, it's an annual conference. So whenever you hear this, it'll still be there. I will always have the promo code podcast get you 10% off your ticket. It's a three-day conference, literally all about giving. And hopefully, we simply will be able to be there when you're there and you can meet everybody there. But uh, man, Brandon, thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks, Dustin. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll connect soon some more on uh, some long-term holds for sure.